Hello, everybody, and welcome back at long last to the Land of Vienna Suite podcast. My name is Tom Jenkins. This is episode 161, and I'm joined by a podcasting partnership as solid as Santos and Baptiste, James Jarvis and Chris Manning. The mini hiatus in episodes has been brought on by a difficult working university schedule for myself over the last few weeks, but I've given myself the night off to talk about the most important thing in my life, the fact that the whites are going up. James, before we cover recent events in more detail, how confident are you that that statement is going to come true? How, how could you not be confident? We're four clear of Morecambe in fourth, and we've had the best form since the end of January. I, I think... Well, I, th- I think looking at the table since um, since uh, fe- since the end of February, we're ten points clear of the next team in terms of results from that period. It's mm-hmm. it's absolutely incredible. It's been a monumental rise, and honestly, it's not even out of the question as well that we could that we could even go for the title. Never mind, never mind second, solidify third or second place. No, well, no. I was going to say. I mean, it is very strange that that we're even in this position. It's even stranger that the teams around us, when we screw up, seem to screw up as well. I have to admit, when I said um, the whites are going up just then, it gave me a shiver because it terrified me about the fact that this could bite me in the ass severely. Chris, uh, as a wanderer hardened by more disappointments of the past than James and I, are, are you refusing to count the proverbial chickens right at this moment? No, and and I'm definitely the Baptiste to his Santos. So so age is not on my side in that respect. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm I'm thinking balls out. I, I think from this stage, uh, from this position, and given the the way we're playing and the confidence I've got in the lads, uh, anything but the title will be a, a disappointment. And I mean disappointment in the the, the softest of possible senses. Because being being where we were 15 games ago compared to now is is absolutely phenomenal. I've got none. Non-Bolton fans on various WhatsApp groups texting me, asking me what's going on. You know, they, they, everyone's talking about it. It seems on the the various social media channels and things like that. It's coming to the attention of people across the board, and so I just think the lads' achievement will be ultimately recognised when they they lift that title in front of an empty stadium, although with a very full <laughs> a very full car park, I suspect, come the end of May or whenever this season finishes, middle of May. It is brilliant, and 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 I think it's only going to and it's only going to go one way, and the title is ours. Right, I'm terrified. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just waiting for this to be clipped up, and this this is finally the rod that Daryl Morris has been waiting to beat us with, isn't it? We we give him two on a silver platter. Um, but no, you're right. The position that we're in is 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 incredible. It's 38 points out of the last 45, um, which is which is mad, um, and and. This is this is obviously coming off the back of what we consider to be a fairly disastrous um, Easter weekend, um, which I'll go into in more detail. Because since we last spoke, this this is sort of just to, to show listeners how long it's been uh, since I we last spoke. We don't mean Easter, tw- Easter twenty twenty. We're going back that far. No, 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 no. Well, that was a disastrous Easter for everybody. Um, but th- th- this most recent Easter twenty twenty one wasn't brilliant either, as, as we'll come on to do now. Because we last recorded on the eighteenth of March, and since then. We beat Walsall 2-1, beat Forest Green 1-0, and then on that Easter weekend, drew 0-0 with Colchester, who, if I'm correct, have only won one match in their last 25 or 26, something ridiculous <laughs> like that. Um, so, obviously, they didn't beat us, but we should have beaten them. Um, unfortunately, our unbeaten record of 14 games ended by a 1-0 scoreline at Newport, and, and how we lost that game, I'll never know. Uh, but we have since gotten over that and beaten Harrogate 2-1 and Salford 1-0. Now, it'd be, it'd be far too tedious to dissect each game we've missed. 
Um, however, there have been themes and key events from each that I'd like to pick out for discussion with, with you two. James, I'll come to you first. We, we've now come from behind to win in two of our last six matches, that, those, that being against Walsall and against Harrogate. Uh, how important is that resilience to you? Does it impress you, um, given that realistically we're known to be a soft touch for most of the time that we've supported this club? Uh, it, it, it's, re- it's really nice. It's... It's the it's the kind of it's the kind of mentality we've been craving for since since we've pretty much been relegated from from the Premier League. It's it's it's, it's especially impressive as well, considering that most games we just seem to win by one goal margins. So, so it shows that even when we're behind, we can we can go on, and as soon as we get ahead of the team, I'm just confident that we'll hold on. Like there's only been Bradford where we've where we've slipped up when we've been ahead, in in since February I think. Like that that is bloody 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 spectacular. So I, <laughs> I'm sorry I'm just I'm just speak I'm just speechless <laughs> that we're even in this position in the first place. Like my my head's just gone from any possible <laughs> eloquent explanation of of how we've of how we've gotten to this. Of how we've gotten to this point, but 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 yeah, with your point on the resiliency, it it just shows from pretty much no matter what position we're in, we're always going to be creating chances when we need them, and we're always got our backs to the wall. I mean, we'll we'll probably go into the some of the games in more detail, but especially our most recent game, just gone. That that defensive resiliency against Salford, who had the only unbeaten home record left in the EFL. And we survived an onslaught with fantastic bots from the likes of Delfonso and Jones and Jilks making a great save from Richie Towell. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm co- I'm extremely confident. Not only a promotion, at the title, perhaps we'd have to rely on on Cheltenham real dropping maybe about six points. Depends whether that's whether that's. Have you see that happening? But yeah, I I've not I've not been this confident in a Bolton team in a long, long time. Long may it continue. Agreed, agreed. Chris, in that Walsall game, we got a little bit of luck uh, in that um, Hayden White got himself sent off for um, something that you and James will probably be able to um, educate me on. Was that is that is that a choke slam from WWE? The kind of thing <laughs> he, he he tried to do on a on Dapo Alpha Lion. Um, but, but another injury that probably wouldn't be out of place in WWE happened uh, in the Forest Green match to Jamil Matt. So in those two oh. games, we had a little bit of luck. But um, how, how crucial do you think those two slices of fortune were to us winning those two games? Yeah. Firstly, if anyone ever puts hands on Dapo, I'll choke slam on myself. You couldn't do agree more. Touch, do not touch the footballing genius. Um, it, the, the hand injury blew my mind at the time. I, I, it's, at the start of the game, I was only half paying attention and then... Obviously, the pictures online came out afterwards. The fact that he's, he's basically there, like the claw. Um, excuse me, the will is just thinking about it. But in, in a general sense, I think we're in a position now where my my bold-ish claims about levels of success is, is backed up by the, the fact that the, the footballing gods, the, the sporting gods are clearly on our side this season. It's been so long. That the, the little swines have been conspiring against us. That even these things that never ever happened to Wanderers before, all the little bounces of luck. I mean, take his Groves goal against Salford, for example. 
I must have seen that kind of goal scored against us 10 times over the last 10 years. Just a, a stupid shot. That, that Who knows whether it was intentional or not. I, I, I would be surprised. But we normally concede that sort of goal. But from now, at the moment, we're scoring them. Injuries to key, to key op- uh, opponents. The fact that everyone else's promotion form is, is heading off the edge of a cliff whilst ours is only getting stronger. Uh, it, it's it's just reward, I think, for us as, as, a, as a group of supporters and as a club for, for riding the last decade and a bit of, of absolute shite that we've had to we've had to wade through. Um, and, and so all things considered, I think that, that just gives me even more confidence that not only will we win the title, we're probably going to get Champions League in the next sort of three or four years, at, at the very least. Um, not to say there might have to be changes, because there probably will, but Watching a couple of these European Cup games tonight, nothing to fear there, you know. Nothing to fear. You're talking Firmino against Santos. Barely even a battle. James, I'm getting a little bit concerned that Chris thinks this is football manager. What about you? <laughs> I mean, it, it, Ian Everett pretty much is playing football manager with Ball at the moment, and, and he's doing a fantastic job. If- yeah, he got, he got that in cash league... injection in uh, in January. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say that exactly the same as when you you're not doing so well in the, in your, your your first six months, and so you do a little cheat code. Oh, I'm in League Two. What will I do? Oh, I know. I'll I'll bring in Declan John from Championship, and uh, oh yeah, go on. Then. We'll have that that's exciting young attacker at West Ham who can't quite get a game. I mean, I don't think that's that's obviously the, the look side of things, and the other things are all a bit fun in games, but the the investment that they made in the squad the redevelopment of the squad following Tobias Phoenix leaving as well at uh, whenever that was November December has, has turned round what was a, a struggling squad because not only 15 games ago were we in 17th spot it's not that long since jokes came back in the team relatively speaking turned the season around yeah you could say well why didn't that happen sooner where where might we be had jokes been brought in four to six games earlier that a lot of people wanted to happen but it, it's just it's just balmy, and I agree with before when James said it's, it's difficult to to really put it into too many words where where we are compared to where we were, and the, the fact that the games we've got left, it's difficult to see us dropping points, never mind losing. So whilst we might have to rely upon other teams uh, cocking up to, to help our title aspirations, all we can do at the minute is help ourselves, and everything seems to be going in our favour. I mean, I would agree with you to a certain extent. I think we've probably had a decade's worth of good luck in the last three months or so. Mm. Um, and I'm not complaining in the slightest. I mean, frankly, it's, it's incredible to, to for my club to finally get the rub of the green for once in a while. Um, such has been our horrendous fortune with injuries and bad decisions and all that kind of stuff. Don't, don't get me wrong, the bad decisions still happen because the referees at this level are a joke, which is one of my primary reasons for wanting to get out of it. Um, but one, one aspect of it that I think we've probably not capitalised on enough and you could put it down to us being unlucky or just, you know, an inability to be able to to capitalise on, on our good play is the poor uh, missed chances that we've seen in recent mm. games, James. Certainly in, in the Colchester and Newport games and also last night against Salford, even though we managed to win the game. Is it a worry? Is it, is it an even slight worry to you? And, and also, what do you put it down to, the poor finishing that we've seen? I don't know what to put the poor finishing down to because I'm diabolical in front of the goal and I'd have finished off those chances <laughs> Kieran Lee had against Newport. Uh, and Doyle last night as well. Yeah, yeah, Doyle's diving header, gut, gutted he missed that. Can't, can't believe that. 
but but like, like I say, it doesn't really matter because we because as long as we just get that one goal, whether it's by a, a stroke of luck like Isgro's goal or just a piece of pure creative genius to set up a goal, I'm confident that we'll hold on. Yeah, it'd be nice to finally blow a team away. Hopefully that'll be Grim- Grimsby this upcoming Saturday. But 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 at the end of the day, it's about it's about results, not about about how many goals goals we score. We've seen um, we've seen uh, Cambridge and Exeter blow teams away this season, but when it comes to some of the games that matter, they've been bottling it. The the defence has given up. Oldham have scored the most goals in the league this season, but they've also conceded the most as well. It goes to show that it that only one goal matters, and our players are getting goals when it matters, especially especially Owen Darrow. But and we seem to be getting to a point of the season where, even if Doyle's missing the obvious chances, like against Salford, one of one of the two of the players are, are starting to come into it. I've never pegged Lloyd Disgrove as a goal scorer, but I know I know he's um Harrogate goal was given to Lee in the end, but it's, the lads essentially had two goals, and I think in his entire career he's only scored about five goals before now. I was about to say, clearly, clearly the goalkeepers he was up against didn't peg him as a goal scorer either, which is why they <laughs> let the two go in. <laughs> yeah, well, they were both P-rollers, but it doesn't matter how they go in as long as they go in. And no. every single game, I'm confident we'll score. So, yeah, we we won't drop a point for the rest of this season. Let's just hope oh, Cheltenham drop enough and we'll get the title. <laughs> James, you know oh, me. for goodness you know sake. Me. You know me, I like my bold predictions. Oh God, I'm already terrified. <laughs> uh, what what the listeners won't know, and you'll you'll already know, James, is when we were 19th back in February, uh, at the start of February, I, I had a five pound free bet on us going up at 18 to one in the top three. Uh, that that is now worth 60 pounds at, at a cash out, <laughs> and I've got everyone left, right, and centre telling me to cash it and cash it and cash it. There's no way I'm letting it run. I'm I'm, I'm absolutely letting it run and getting it to, to that 90 quid that that it would now be worth because I think mine. God, God, Chris. On. No, I'm just gonna say I've got, I've got something very similar, mate. My my fiver at fourteen to one is currently at a cash out of about fifty two quid. So I, I'm in the same boat as you. Yeah, I, I was just thinking if I do cash it out, that's like an admission from myself that I don't believe that it's going to happen, and I'm not sure I can I can rationalise it if 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 it then if that horrible situation did then come to pass. Oh, you've got to which commit. I have to. Yeah, I've got to commit. I've got to commit. Um, that that horrible situation, I have to admit, it did cross my mind that it could come to pass in the aftermath of the Newport game. Because after such a long unbeaten run, 14 games, which which was exceptional, it must be very, very difficult for a team who probably did feel invincible at that point to then go and lose a match. Chris, were you, were you fearful at all of it derailing our season? Obviously, looking back in hindsight, it's probably a different reaction that you're feeling now. Yeah, for certain. And I guess maybe if you'd have asked me that on the Saturday night after the Newport game, I might have felt a bit different. But the honest answer is, despite the pessimism of recent years that's been been an obvious display amongst the fan base, myself you know, included, I don't feel it. I, I really don't. And then I feel that even if we were to draw a game or, or heaven forbid, lose one, ultimately we've got enough about us and the league is, is poor enough that our own momentum will be enough to, to carry us forward. I thought James's point, despite the goal scoring, was, was spot on. I completely agree. I did look at the the difference in the goal difference that we've done in the last um, fifteen games. I think we've only we've only gone up by about plus eight or something like that. So the, you know the the games that we've won have all been very 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 tight. 
I just it just blows my mind again to, to feel that uh, that even if we did lose, we're not going to get tonked. So a, a three or a four nil loss at this point in the season might be enough to derail lesser sides. Firstly, I don't think we're going to lose. I don't think we're going to get battered. I think the, the more likely it is that our confidence will only be further improved. And, and Grimsby on on Saturday is, is a perfect perfect opportunity for us to lay a marker down and and maybe even put some put some intimidation in the guys above us. Uh, I I think we can go second, can't we, on Saturday if we win? I don't know if we can go top. I can't bring the table to mind immediately. Um, but Cheltenham, what bet, Chel- what bet- yeah, sorry, I'll just go to the table for you now, Chris. Yeah, so, Chel- so Cheltenham are on 72 right now, but they have a game in hand over us. Um, okay. Cambridge have played the same amount of game with us. They're just one point above us, and then there's us on 70. Right, brilliant. So come, come, come the end of Saturday, I've got like, entire confidence that uh, not only will we be three points further in the bag, but it's very possible we could be top of the league, and I think that would really set a market out. And then the pressure then flips, doesn't it? We'll keep the wrestling analogies going. We've put a figure four leg lock on our fellow top three candidates, and then it's time to do that lovely little flip over, reverse the pressure. One of my favourite moves in the entire world of wrestling. It's so stupid, but we'll apply it, the analogy to football in that the, the pressure will all go back on the teams above us, on the teams that are above us today. It, it, our destiny is entirely in our hands, and I think if we carry on winning, and there's no reason why we shouldn't, even even if the most Bolton Wanderers thing in the world would be for. Uh, for, for the result to go against us on Saturday, it absolutely won't, and it, it really wouldn't surprise me if we were we took hold of that top place and we didn't let it go all the rest of the season. Well, listeners, I haven't got a clue what they're talking about with the interesting things either. So we can, uh, yeah, I'm, 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 you've got, you've got the benefit of being able to go, pause this podcast and Google it. So I, I would I would advise you to do just that. Um, James, I was going to ask you if um, you were also fearful of the Newport loss derailing our season, but I can probably answer that for myself. So I'll, I'll ask you a different way. Um, the other games, as, as Chris alluded to, our goal difference hasn't exactly improved an awful lot. Um, and we talked about the missed chances and inability to finish up some of the great work that we do. Does it impress you more almost that, that we've been winning games by these fine margins? Because it does show that there is... This this sort of winning mentality. You can see, as you mentioned with with Exeter, they blow a lot of teams away, but then bottle a lot of results. So, does it impress you more that we're very very consistent in how we win games? Yep, consistency is key, my friend. Consistency is key. Um, like, like I won't deny it would be nice to blow blow a team away, but look like but like I repeat myself, um, results are results, and and currently that's what we're getting the teams around us aren't we've seen how Tranmere have dropped off cheers Agent Keith uh, we've seen how Forest Green have lost have not have only got one point in their last six that's been huge um, C- Cambridge couldn't take advantage and beat Exeter to solidify a top spot um, the only thing I was worried about with Newport was that it was going to derail our title chances not our chances for promotion I was, I've been confident about getting automatic promotion for a long time for for like f- maybe a month now, we we've been we've been that good, and that that's why I keep making the bold claims that either we're going for the title, um, if we get in the playoffs, we're going to win it, we're going to go straight to automatics, we're going to bl- blow teams away. But even though we haven't blown teams away, we're winning. So yeah, yeah. I, there's in my opinion, there is absolutely nothing to worry about. The only thing, the only thing that matters right now is whether we're going to finish second or whether we're going to finish first. 
Fair enough. I mean, you're doing it deliberately to try and irritate me now, so that, that I don't appreciate that, James. I agree um, with you, James, totally. You get the same number of points whether you win 5-0 or whether you win 1-0. So whilst it would be lovely for us to, to batter somebody, as long as that points column goes up by three come come the end of Saturday, then then we can't ask for any more. I don't even know if it's these, this team's style necessarily to do that. We did wonder, didn't we, when Madison joined, whether that would free us up a little bit more from an attacking sense. Our midfield's probably most politely described as functional rather than, than progressive or attacking. Granted, we've got one or two who are, who are comfortable going forward, but you think like Williams and, and Tut, Thomason, probably a little bit more static, shall we say, than, than dynamic. Um, and, and Doyle playing up front on his zone. I don't know about Thomason. He does a lot of bloody running. Oh, most definitely, most definitely. And I'd like, him to, I'd like to see him use that in a more attacking sense and, and get beyond... The, the, the centre circle, I guess, more in, in an attacking sense. But I think we're, we're just playing the one up front and with the way that we haven't particularly shared the goals around the team too much this, this season. It, it would be nice to see Delfonso not, notch a couple. It'd be nice to see Thomason get on the score sheet. Same with, with Lee. I mean, granted, if, if Lee could head the ball or shoot straight, he'd probably on half a dozen goals already <laughs> yeah, since I'll, coming I'll given the chances, the chances he's got. Eventually gets his first. And, and, oh, and absolutely, mate. and Afa Lyon deserves it because his performances have been have been stunning. On, should on have the whole. last night. Should have happened yeah. last night. Without that shadow of a doubt, that I referee agree. decision was appalling. I agree. This he's been a revelation. But I think the way we play is is it gets the job done without too many frills, and so that the, the absence of a three or four nil spanking. Don't bother me too much as, as long as we do get that win and uh, and that will absolutely be the case come Saturday. Yeah, I find it hard to disagree with you, to be fair. And it, it seg- segues quite nicely because I was going to talk about what, what the midfield that you would necessarily categorise as functional. But one of the shining lights um, in the Newport defeat after what I actually thought was a bit of a poorer showing for him at Forest Green was George Thomason. And in recent weeks, I think he's been almost impeccable. Certainly changed the game for us against against Harrogate. Uh, how far do you think this kid can go, Chris? Oh yes, stunning. I think he's he's been absolutely brilliant. And and Lee from Line Event sent me a, a, an article the other day that he'd been speaking to the paper, and he speaks very well as well for a for a, a, a young lad. I just think that at the moment his potential is you know it's limitless. But at the same time, I'm, I'm not suggesting necessarily I see him in Premier League. But God knows that I think that he's a cut above what we've got and what we've brought through the academy in that positioning in recent years and so so long may that continue I'd like to see him keep his place I can understand that his age and the way his development's gone occasionally he needs to be rested or maybe a game might not particularly suit him but he can't not be brimming with confidence too given the amount of smoke being blown up his arse online by Bolton fans and all the positive <laughs> press that he's getting his, I presume it's his auntie or his mum's liking me tweets you know it's it's it it's it must be mind blowing for the guy, and I and I really think he's taken to it like a duck to water. I think alongside him, Lee and Williams seem obvious. I feel like Andrew Tut's had a bit of a hard, a bit of a bad deal in the last three or six months because couldn't agree. He, more. he was yeah, I thought he was he was great in the first half of the season, but again, it's a squad game, isn't it? And so if someone can come in and perform well for a number of weeks, maybe while we're, the, the the team was struggling, I, I don't think anyone can particularly argue that at this minute in time that Williams is. He's probably a, an upgrade on top, given his, his added, added physicality with his height. Um, so those three, I think, are untouchable going forward. And, and I know, again, just to refer back to Madison slightly, I think that at this point of the season, I think that, that Madison's role in that midfield would have been lessened anyway 
would Sarsovic come back in time? And obviously we we don't know at the minute, this minute whether that's likely to happen or not. The, the news, it's been quite ambiguous, I think, hasn't it? at least from my perspective, that whether we can expect to see him back on the on the pitch or not. And ultimately, the team's, the team's playing well enough. And, and so I, I wouldn't be desperate to rush, rush Sarsovic back, um, especially from a, that sort of injury which he suffered before. It could potentially lead to further recurrence. But those three, and then you can have the one in front, be that Delfonso or whoever, it, it's working so, so well. I think there's a really good balance there of, of Williams' ability to, to hold and, and to sit in front of the back four and, and just play the simple balls. Connected with Lee's ability to, to get forward and Thomason's undoubted passing ability. It's just, it's almost like an ideal three for me. I, I can't think about how many conversations we must have had over the course of this season on this podcast about our ideal midfield three or who, who you know, the, the mm. chopping and changing they'd gone on in that, in that, uh, those positions. It is very, very refreshing to, and I completely agree with you, have a settled trio that I'm very, very happy with who all actually performs a, a role in, in, in that Definitely. team. Don't get me wrong, I think when Sarsovic is fit, Sarsovic probably plays, rightly or wrongly, because you know he is the captain. Um, and also, there is that added goal threat because there is no way in hell that he misses any of those chances that Lee got um, at, at Newport. I think he's limited in other ways, but in his finishing, I, I, I trust him probably more than I trust a lot of the players in this team. Um, but yeah, I, I think, James, I'll come to you as well just to have a word on Thomason because he, uh, Chris is right. You know, for want of a better phrase, he has had a lot of smoke blowing up his arse. But how refreshing is it to see a kid? Uh, I can call him a kid. I'm 22. He's 20. So that, that's not, <laughs> I can call him that. Uh, to to have such a good head on his shoulders and and really be dealing with this newfound interest in in his career in in such a positive way, it seems. Yeah, it <clears throat> it, re- it really shows how um, how down to earth he is and how he's clearly come from um, the environment where he wasn't playing professionally. I mean, the kid was eight. He was eighteen and playing in the Northwest Counties League. You know, mo- mo- most footballers, you think you you wouldn't make professional from that level, but soon as soon as he got his chance and just kept showcasing ability, and he's clear and he's clearly learnt from that how to how to be humble and just taking what he can around him to get level. Um, he's he's not come through any kind of academy where he might have just had a bit of pompousness or like you say even more smart blown up his ass that he's given him an, an ego no 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 he's very much nailed down he believes in his ability and he's and you can tell he's learning game by game even though even though he still runs and goes into some things looking a bit awkward his his defensive side of the game has improved his positional play has improved his passing was always good but yeah any time that he receives the ball, even when he's surrounded by about three players, I'm confident in the lad that he'll still be able to find a man because he's because he's just that focused, both in the game and out, both in the game and as we've seen in the interviews, he, he he's he's just he's just so dedicated to the cause and yeah, I'm I'm not sure how high he can go. Um, I'd say. Maybe by the time he hits, I'll, this is just a prediction. But maybe by the time he hits around, let's say twenty-five, whether he's still with us or not, he will easily be a high-level championship player. I'll, I'll, I'll say that right now. If he keeps going on the path he's going on right now, um, but yeah, it, 
like like you were saying before, it's nice to ha- it's nice to have that headache, that midfield free. I I kind of agree with you that Tut's been high done, but Williams Williams has come in and earned that place. Um, Thomason has earned earned his place. Lee, though he's faltered a bit in recent games, which maybe opens the door for Sarsvich whenever he turns, but Lee earned his place, and you, and you can't really complain. It's it's down to it's down to those in the squad to eventually um, solidify their place when they get the chance again, because everything's just so settled right now. Every, pretty much everyone who plays is in sync and linking up with each other well. Um, I, I was posting on I posted on Twitter that photo of where they're all hugging Isgrove after his goal, and mentioned how not a single outfield player is missing from that photo. It's such a united squad. And then you heard from the goal cams when we were defending towards the end. You could hear the roar from the bench when Geffen and Delfonso made their blocks. It's Oh it it it's it's fantastic and Thomason just represents the kind of future that we can have if we continue down the path that we've got right now. So right now it's still it's still young and there's still a lot to develop, but but the sky's the limit. And we need to be self-sufficient as well, don't we? And I think if we can, if we can pick out a couple of these lads, it, you know, they're all going to work. Foul, for example, you know, came out of nowhere, scored a lot of goals, gone back into nowhere. Fair enough, didn't work. But I guess with the model they've chosen to approach, it's not going to be deep investment in, in expensive players on big money. It'll be about scouring the lower leagues, the local local leagues, for players who are perhaps not wanted by academies at high levels, and, and Blackpool being one of them. But you know, United and cities and things like that. There's there's hundreds of players being discarded all the time. All it takes is the right club and the right time, the right manager and the right player, and, and you can potentially have something good on your hands. Not to say Thomason's a, a a ten million quid player or anything like that, but all, all you need is a, is a group of young, hungry lads like that, and, and you can make yourself self sufficient just by turning over players and, and developing them, giving them game time, and, and then moving them on. Yeah, if I can add, so I think it. it on, yeah, like, please do, mate. No, I was about to say, if I can add further to that, you can also see it with the um, academy players that, that we're bringing through as well. Um, Darcy has been in the wilderness for months and now suddenly he's back, trained the first team, looking more filled out and and happier that he's back in. So you got players like that. Adam Senior has been around the, enti- the first team the entire time. Ob- obviously, he's not made the bench yet for a league game, but... That that's the kind of commitment that we need to the cause, and then that's not even to mention the players that we've got in the in the under eighteens who look pretty, who look really promising. Like Finley Lockett's been on fire at that level. Mm. If, if that lad yeah, comes around, him, Regan Riley was killing it before he's moved to to Norwich City, and and even though he's only about sixteen right now, Keen Lafondra himself looks a hell of a talent for his age. You know, it's it's not just even the lower leagues where. We're going to be no, absolutely. Our own academy is doing is starting to really find, really carve some gems as well. It's exciting times, exciting times, and uh, a lot of good young careers sort of uh, starting to to blossom at, at the club. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we do have to cover it because um, it's been quite big news this week. One of the career that could well be coming to an end. Is is that of Marcus Madison? Uh, we, we've we've spoken at length on this podcast about how we all wanted him to do well, but you know there was a lot of things going on that possibly could have inhibited that. And as we've discovered, 
in uh, in recent days. In recent weeks, Marcus Madison has been really, really struggling off the pitch, uh, being away from his daughter, being away from home and friends and family. Um, he was brought back in for a start in the Harrogate game after lively showings against uh, Colchester and Newport uh, and struggled, let's be honest. We now know more about his situation off the pitch. Chris, um, did, did you see something like this coming? Uh, well, I guess all the signs were there, weren't they, in hindsight? And I think it's important as well that any criticism that the guys received is, is it's never meant to be personal. You know, it's, yeah, have a laugh at someone's, someone might be wearing a daft headband. Someone might be be wearing daft coloured boots or something like that. But obviously you want someone to be happy and healthy and, and not experience any kind of issues, physical or mental. So all you can say is that it, the signs were probably there to, to, to those who maybe knew what to look for. Um, not, not necessarily including anyone here present, unless that's different, but it's rare, isn't it? And I suppose you've just got to maybe be grateful that the club is in a position where they've fostered the kind of support network and they're able to then give the person requiring that support the right approach to take. Sometimes it might be to, to keep him within the group and to, and to nurture him. But given the, the reasons he's justified on his own social media posts, like missing his, his family and his kids, etc., um, I, I think a partner of the ways is, is, is eminently sensible. And, and you've just got to hope, I guess, that the fella comes out, the, out of it the other side uh, better in, in himself mentally and, and physically because there's no doubt there's no doubt at all he's a, an incredibly talented player you've only got to look back at how excited we all were when we signed him in the first place and that's not unjustified because the fellas had a, had a, had a good career and yeah he might be a little bit unconventional in, in ways that, that maybe prickled with some of the, the more traditional elements of the fan base myself definitely included but Ultimately, you've got to hope that the person himself is is on the right path, and uh, and he goes with all our best wishes. I'm sure. Um, absolutely. Um, I, I think two things I would pick up from that would be, firstly, we have criticised him on this podcast. We've criticised him in in our writings, and I think a lot of that was was to do with um, was to do with, with with what he showed on the pitch, which unfortunately was not the Marcus Madison that, that we were expecting, nor the Marcus Madison that he knows that he can be as, as a footballer. Um, but any anything that was said, and I think it's important that we clarify this, anything that was said about, you know, personal life choices regarding playing Xbox and wearing a headband, you know, th- th- these are these are things that we would say about any footballer playing for our club. None of it is meant in a nasty, derogatory way. I'm sure that anything that we said was not construed by Marcus Madison as, as the kind of abuse that I'm sure he's been receiving from some absolute scumbags out there because as we know with the recent highlighting of racial abuse and any kind of abuse that happens on social media unfortunately for players it's part and parcel of them taking part in, in that world and that is something that really does need to stop um, so as I said we, we, we wish him nothing but the best and I'd like to give him a huge message of support for, for that the second point that I'd like to make and I'll stay, stay with you Chris on this I don't want to pat Bolton on the back for, for this because that's not the important point. The important point is there's a guy struggling who, who needs to get the, the help that will help him to not struggle. But given the mistakes that Bolton have made in the past, uh, Marvin Sordell being the operative um, example, it's, it's good, isn't it, to see them really taking care of a player in this way and making sure that he's you know, not burdened with playing or being in an environment that doesn't suit him, you know, giving, giving him the power to go and make a change for himself that will get him back on the right track. Definitely, and and I know it's reflective of a more understanding and inclusive modern world outside of football. But I think examples of football clubs and, and Sardell being a prime one. You're dead right to cite that as being um, prioritising 
the needs of the club or the needs of the team over the needs of the individual. I'm sure it would have been very easy for Wanderers to to turn around and to and to utilise the old "oh come on pull yourself together" kind of thing. You know, the not not to hark back to to, to mistakes of recent times, but the, the, almost like the man up approach. That obviously in the case of of Madison would have been entirely wrong um, and not the right thing to do for that guy. So yeah. I think we're right to pat them on the back. I think it's it's refreshing, and I think it'll hopefully anyone else that's in a similar boat who's struggling can can be encouraged that there are people within the game who understand, who 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 listen, and who know the right approach to take. and And I'm just glad it's us being being at the forefront of that because I think it's really important, and and it can only it can only be to our benefit as well that the club is seen in a much better light. Going forward, uh, with with uh, being understanding that sort of things, because with Sordell especially, our name was 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 mud a little bit, wasn't it, due to the lack of understanding? And I get it was a different world back whenever it was that Sordell played for us, but it does make me proud to see that Wanderers are are, are enlightened enough to to make the right call for for the sake of the guy. Yeah, I think it's very important that we got this right. Very important, um, James. I think we've covered it quite extensively there. But is there anything you'd like to say on the, on this on this particular point? Uh, I don't. I don't think there's really that much more that I can add. Though it was extremely nice to um, hear that it sounded like even our owners, as well as our managers, seem to um, de- decide based on personal interactions and things that they've had with him. Um, obviously, obviously Sharon was mentioned. He's mentioned Eel, Ian in his own um, social media post. It's it, it's nice to see that um, we're not we're not just making these decisions for PR purposes. It's it, it genuinely is for. It sounds like it is genuinely for full on welfare for the players. So, I I, I can't I can't credit the I can't credit the club enough for. How it's been handled. Um, I was always def- defend- defending of Marcus Madison because he just seemed like the kind of player that would thrive on confidence and people, you know, having even if it's even if it doesn't seem that personal, people just having to go up what he does off the pitch and you know how he dresses. What was never go- was never going to help him, and it's it was trivial. Whatever footballers do outside, as long as they're not, you know, doing doing something. Ab, you know, appre- oh, I can't can't words out, but you know what I'm trying to you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. No, it, it wasn't hurting anyone yeah. by by being the way he was. And to be honest with you, I feel I feel as though probably I need to learn a little bit more to not maybe to, to beat people with with that rod of you know what life decisions they decide to make that have absolutely no impact on anybody else. I just you know I think it was it was part of the allure with Madison, wasn't it? This this sort of mystique that he brought with him that he did have these eccentric kind of habits, and I think that's why it was probably worth pointing out at the time. But obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, and we don't know what kind of damage might have been caused by badgering or quote unquote banter the, around those kind of subjects. So yeah, I think you I think you're right. It, it's probably it's the kind of thing that as, as people commenting on a football club and footballers will probably learn from in future and hopefully as, as, a, as a society, it'll get a lot better. But I do think the point needs to be made that anything that we've said in that regard has been meant in jest. And I, I would highly presume the the majority of the stuff that really did trigger this this incident for Matt for Madison or, the, or these feelings for him will have been horrific abuse by some serious, serious scumbags out there. And that's the kind of thing that these kind of social media companies need to work on um, preventing so I think I think that's that's how I, how I would leave that point. If there's, if there's nothing else that any of you've got, you two would feel needs to be said on this issue. 
I yeah. presume not. No, no, no. The, the very last thing I'll say that is, I know, I know some people say that it's not hard to see the line between criticism of his game and and criticism of how a player is, but really, it's a lot. It is simpler than people think in that regard. Just what, like, like I say, whatever, whatever a football player does, as long as they're not doing something immoral, it's to, it's it's to, it's totally fine. But purely criticising for what they for what they do on the pitch, not for what they do off it. Just I just hope people take that kind of lesson to heart. Yeah, I agree with you completely. Agree with you completely. Um, right, we wish our uh, we wish the very best to Marcus Madison. Hope that he comes back a lot stronger and uh, whatever he decides to to do, whether that be football or something else. Um, turning back to you, matters on the pitch in the aftermath of this um, this. In- problem with, with Marcus Madison I imagine it was probably quite difficult for the squad to be able to, to deal with um, but they still managed to put in a fantastic performance uh, last night as we speak we speak on Wednesday the 14th it was Tuesday the 13th that we played Salford City how big was that Salford win for you Chris um, and was it was it pleasing I know we've touched on this kind of style in the past about us grinding out a result but how pleasing was it for you to see us grind out a result in, in that fashion Definitely, and uh, it, it was brilliant. And and the way the first twenty minutes went, I expected maybe a bit more of a um, an open, more open game than we ended up getting. But I thought ultimately, despite Salford's pressing, despite Salford's possession, uh, there was only really that one opportunity that James mentioned before, where where they really had a clear cut chance. I thought the the midfield, in fact, no, even even the the four was defended superbly when it when the time came. Doyle, yeah, a bit of an off day. And, and I did say maybe it's a shame he's not chasing his 30th goal of the season as opposed to his 20th. You know, the, uh, On another day, the misses might have come back and haunted us. But the way the team and all, all club together defending against what's a good Salford attack, and like you say as well, guys, that it's it's one that's never not lost a single game at home all season. And you don't get records like that without being a, a solid and, and well-organised team themselves despite their own managerial uh, issues that they've experienced. It, it, it's just an element of togetherness that, that the guys have got clearly and an understanding of the roles and a, and a willingness to put their bodies on the line that people of recent years, you know, of the players that we've had, defensive partnerships, midfielders, etc. You don't, I wouldn't have seen many of them doing that. And not only was it great to see that the the manager and the, the guys on the sidelines all cheering and whooping every time we, we, we saved a goal-bound shot. I was doing the same at home. I, I, you know, you're pumping the... Pumping the air, you get in there. It's just, it just feels like, and I don't want to overstate it too much because it's a bit, a bit soppy, like. But the, the, the sort of difference in, in in atmosphere around the club from what we've had over the last couple of years. I think going into a game as important as that with a team that we had maybe eighteen months ago or even twelve months ago, we wouldn't have won. We probably would have. We might have scored, yeah, but we might have also have, have let it slip at the end. And and that's why I think arcing back to the Bradford game. Things like that are so few and far between with this team since since sort of November Christmas time that I, I didn't really have any any thoughts that we would let Salford back into it and indeed there were there were times where I, I thought that had things gone in our favour we might have come out of that game with a, a three four nil spanking of them uh, and what a message that might have sent out to the rest of the division uh, it, it's just proper proper refreshing to see a a well drilled and a well organised defensive Bolton performance which it needed to be. Given given Salford's attacking uh, attacking ability, it, it was brilliant. I, I loved every second of it. And my final point on that, I guess, is just the the uh, I mentioned to the the supporters who congregated in the car park outside. It was it made me laugh to, to hear them on the the goal cam 
thankfully oh, yes. it wasn't it wasn't a return to the to the, the, the quite frankly shocking language that that priest who listened to us would would never have approved of. But the, the, to see him in the in the car park and, and present company accepted, Tom, with your your brush with fame, it, it'll be the same when the it'll be the same when the uh, we get the trophy on the last game of the season. There'll be, there'll be hundreds and hundreds of people in the car park waiting to celebrate there and have, and have a bit of a party. It, it's going to be great. Yeah, we've got to get there first, but I agree with you. I, I mean, I, you can certainly, I, I presume there won't be a ticketed event, but you can, I'll purchase my ticket in advance for that car park party and I'm sure I'll see you there as well, Chris. <laughs> bring, bring, bring the family along for a family day. I'm sure they'll be oh, on the moon with it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I agree with you completely. I, I was out of my seat celebrating like a lunatic when I saw some of those blocks and especially when uh, Baptiste shoulder charged uh, Brandon Thomas-Asante off the pitch. I loved that more than I loved the goal. Because um, he was a, he was a very irritating little sod up front. Um, but one of the players I want to highlight from that game, uh, James, in terms of n- not just the work ethic but also the the block that he made, and we've touched on it very briefly, is Gethin Jones. Now, as I said in my player ratings, whatever he does for fitness, I mean, it, it should be a prerequisite for marathon runners to do that. I've never seen someone bow up the pitch, up and down the pitch, with such a such ferocity as someone like Gethin Jones, but he defends with a similar kind of uh, ferocity. How, how impressed were you with his performance in that night and over recent weeks? Yeah, Cumbria and Biff, mate. Cumbria and Biff. That's my boy. That's what I want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can you can translate for me. I read that in your in your your ratings, and I'd, I've not not heard that phrase before. Enlighten it's basically it's basically come on Wales. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll echo that then. <laughs> don't 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 feel the need. It's alright. You don't want to jump on the bandwagon. It's, it's quite the outpost now, isn't it? With the two the couple of lads in the team, it's uh, it's positive, really good. Oh, I'm, I'm telling I'm telling you now. Get 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 um, Declan and John on the plane for the Euros. It's much better than the, that Nico Williams bloke. Anyway, but, but sorry, that, we're, we're getting off point. How yeah, <laughs> yeah, impressed yeah. were you with Jones, James? Ah, uh, he's he's really he's really come on leaps and bounds, hasn't he? From the start of the season, he seems to have uh, taken the stamina that he's probably built from having to play wing back earlier in the season, and he's just applied it and he's applied that kind of attacking mentality to his normal uh, foot to his normal fullback duties. I've always had faith in him to, as a defensive right back, you know, to, you know, to do his job and make the blocks when he needs to, j- jockey the wingers, and even though he's not the paciest guy in the world, still keep up with. Uh, you know the, the kind of pacey wingers that he's likely to come up against at some point. But yeah, his his attacking play has improved so much. He he picks out more. He picks out a lot more passes than he's done. He 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 always seems to be at one end of the pitch and then rocketing down to the other with the ball. He links up well, especially with Isgrove down that right hand side, that Welsh partnership. And he. And slowly but surely, even his um, picking out his passes in the final third is slowly starting to improve. He doesn't just hit and hope with his crosses. He um, he, he actually either drives down low to try and pick out a player, or you know lays it off to someone who's a better position to do the exact same thing. It, his his game his game intelligence, along with just every single aspect of his play, is really suited to be able to play that modern day fullback role and not just be the defensive right back I assume him to be earlier in the season. It and and I know and I know he's it, it and it's kind of incredible that he's also taken that role away from Brocky who I think can do the exact same thing. I was gonna say that was gonna be my next point. I I'll, I'll ask you this is Brocky gonna get back into this team while Jones is fit? <laughs> no. No. 
I mean, I mean, I'm, I'd be perfectly happy for Brocky to stay, and if I were Ian Ever, I'd give, I'd give Brocky the contract to the end of the season because it's just really good competition anyway. But yeah, I guess in Jones right now is one of the most undroppable players in the team. That 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 yeah. entire back line essentially is undroppable. Oh, 100 percent. No, I, I think any changes to that back five would would be lunacy at this point. I feel sorry for. Lucas Jensen, but he's not going in goal at any point this year, unless of course we're promoted by then. But you know, we're, yeah, we're dealing yeah, in no, bar- possibilities, yeah, no, bar- if puts and maybe. Yeah, no, barring a Jilks injury or a Jilks error, to us, let's be honest, he really should have conceded a penalty against Salford. God, yeah, I, I was, I was, I, I tell you what, why do you not just let it run out of play? Am, am, I, am I mad? Because I, I just thought, why are you even bothering touching that ball? What's wrong with just having a goal kick? Yeah, yeah, no. I think I assume it. I assume it's because the only way we were going to score at that point was to hit them on the counter, and I think Jilks wanted to play that. But I don't, I don't know what to tell you. But yeah, it it it's a it's a shame for some of the other players in the squad. You know, the likes of Brocky, Jensen, Delaney, Jackson. But that that entire back four is completely undroppable, and rightly so. Look how many clean sheets we've had since since February. It's it's been ridiculous how good they've been. If Santos and Baptiste aren't the league, are the League Two centre back partnership for Team of the Year, then then frankly we've been robbed. Oh, I've if got a feeling that Toes the player is going to be the season, guys. Between the two, who, who would you pick, Tom? If it, what, just picking between those two, or just picking I, in general? I, I think it's between those two personally. Yeah, but if you had to choose between the two, which way would you go? I tell you what, it'd be very, very hard for me to vote against Rico because I love Santos. I, I think he is my perfect central defender. He, I think it's, it's you know you can the defensive attributes aside. I think he he deals with that very, very nicely. But how good he is on the ball, I can't get over it for a League Two defender. It might just be the, the fact that he's dealing with League Two attackers, and that's why it makes it look so easy. But the way he dribbles past people and plays their long passes, that that that's me sold. I love. I, I think Baptiste has completely exceeded my expectations beyond imagination but um, I, I think I'd find it very very difficult to give it to anyone but Santos Fair enough Yeah no I, I'm kind of in agreement but but the the margin between them is so thin for that decision Agreed Yeah it, it's just really hard to choose I only I only go out the fact that I've seen Rico do it for slightly more games than Baptiste has but that's no fault of his own. That's because Baptiste kind of lost his place out to Delaney for a bit. But I'll come to you there. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, James, but I'll come to Chris on that because I think that's a perfect opportunity for him to have a little bit of a run, as we've got, as we've expected from you over podcasts over recent years. Um, how crucial was that red card to Ryan Delaney in bringing Baptiste back into the side? Oh, massively, Delaney, and he's been. It always baffled me that he was in the team in the first place. So yeah. As much of a turning point in the season as the arrival of uh, of Williams and John for me, easily, um, and and I'd forgotten about him to be honest until he made his way back on the bench this this weekend. So I should think, uh, sorry, this weekend against Salford. So I, I would think that we would uh, he, he would do well to get a token appearance between now and the end of the season, such as his uh, his irrelevance to the team as far as things go. I'd much rather see Brockbank become that substitute centre half because I agree with your point previously lads about how you can't you can't drop um Jones at the minute. So let Brock back be that substitute centre half and Delaney can uh, Delaney can go away quietly. 
Uh, I, I believe he's out of contract in the summer, so you may, you may well get oh, your wish. Oh, shame. James, James, you'll correct me if I'm wrong. I'm fairly certain it was an 18-month deal that he signed, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, he's out yeah. of contract this season. So is Baptiste as well, but unless, unless he doesn't feel up to it, then that's probably going to get renewed, so... I mean, to be honest with you, I'm not sure I'd want him to be my starting centre-half in League One, oh, nor would I want to, Jules to be my to be starting, starting goalkeeper. But No, exactly, yeah. I, I, we're going to say the same thing. I think invaluable experience for someone. If, if Brockbank is going to go and fill that role, then uh, you'd find fewer people with longer experience at this level than uh, than Alex Baptiste, to, to, whose advice to lean on. Just like Thomason with Tut, you know, Tut's useful having around because Thomason's defensive side of his game has been his biggest struggle, in my opinion. And uh, I think Tut has, pro- has been giving him a lot of pointers as we saw in the Salford game because that some of the running that he did was just incredible. Um, I, I was going to move on to to the, looking forward in the Grimsby game, but is, is there any more points that you guys would like to make about the Salford game? Do you think we've covered it in detail? A referee was shit. Yeah, he was awful. Uh, that, shit. It, it was it was it was almost as bad as Carlisle or Tranmere. That that refereeing performance. I'm so pleased it didn't cost us. Right. Absolutely, and and it's just a further example of of the depths to which we've plunged. But thankfully, we've only got another six weeks of that. Be all behind us then. Well, to be honest, I don't remember League One refs being much better, but no. I also don't remember them. <laughs> I also don't remember them giving a foul to us for a very clean tackle by MJ Williams, mm. and then completely reversing his de- decision two seconds later and booking Williams. That so, was hilarious. If it were to be fair, it wasn't hilarious because I thought we were going to score from that that set piece because I always think that a team is going to score from a set piece against us. Um, but yeah, the, the, uh, appalling refereeing performance. But then again, you look at the Premier League and there are appalling referees there. So I don't, I don't think it's a, it's just a League Two problem. Unfortunately, I think we're, we're going to be stuck true. with that. We're going to be stuck with that you, for the long haul. Very true. Do you think we'll ever score from a set piece? I'm not no. certain we'll actually get it into the penalty area. Never mind score. I think they've tried. Thomason, Isgrove, John, Madison when he was playing, and if memory serves, maybe Alpha Lions taken one or two, and all of them failed to be the first man. So no, we're never going to score from a set piece. If I were one of the centre halves, I would just stay on the halfway line and be like, "What's the point? What is the point mm-hmm. of me coming up? Waste of time." Yeah, complete waste of time. Um, we might have to improve upon that looking forward uh, because Grimsby are really, really fighting for their lives. And as we know, based on the lineups that they've had over their recent reasonable run, I think they've drawn most of those games that they've had over an unbeaten run that I think came to an end of their last outing. Um, they've got two lads up front in Linnell, John Lewis and James Hansen, who are massive. What, what I had to put? Yeah, but there's, there's a better word. Hoofballs, maybe. Like, like, yeah, the, the Cut the kind of centre forwards that Mark Beavers dreams about, <laughs> that, that 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 kind of thing. Um, does it worry you at all? I mean, they're not very good, Chris. Obviously, but does it worry you at all that they might nick one from set piece, given how poor we are at dealing with them? Maybe, but I, I would be confident that we would we would have more than enough to either cope with it, or if we did go goal behind, or, or they they pull the goal back. However, it works out. I, I think confidence is high enough. It doesn't really matter at the minute. Bring it on. Yeah, James. They're going to obviously hoof it. They may well try and just sit back and take a draw, though I don't think a point does an awful lot for them, given the seven points off safety. The, the, again, any any concerns about them just doing a Barrow or a Walsall or a, a Colchester and just having a really, really low block and trying to stop us from being able to score? Uh, you, you stole my point away from me. That's the exact point I was going to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they're not, they're not going to hit us on the counter with those two forwards, let's be honest. 
this is going to be no. an entirely possession-based game for us, and it's all dependent on how we can carve open the defense. There's a reason yeah. they're da- there's a reason they're down there. They're not very good at attacking, so <laughs> so like like you mentioned with the draws, they're probably going to have to play for a draw because that's the only result they're going to they're going to get from us at best, and that's a what is it a one out of twenty chance? So, yeah, possibly. So I mean, yeah. like like I said, they they need a win. Realistically, they need a win, but they're not. I, I cannot see them they, going gung ho to try and get one because that oh, will just turn to bits. A, you'd think they need a win, but. They've also just unluckily come up against the worst team to try and get that win in this league at the yeah. moment. Yeah, well, I remember thinking this about Colchester, and also we had the advantage against Colchester of a decent pitch. I imagine going to Grimsby, it's going to be fairly horrific conditions upon which to play decent passing football. But, uh, you know, would, would, it, would there be a case of maybe changing style a little bit? We don't really have a type two striker to try and play long to, but would there maybe be a case of instead of playing those three? As Chris would say, functional midfielders and going a bit more out, all out attacking. Do you think? Well, well, you'd have to make the case of um, you'd, pro- you'd as harsh as it would be, you'd probably have to drop Thomason out of all of them because he's the best long-range passer in that midfield. But Lee's also been in the poorest form recently out of that midfield three. So you, I, I, I think you can make a case to drop him despite his experience as well. But then again, who would you, who would you bring in really? Oh, I'd go two up top personally. What? What? Delfonso. Yeah. I suppose it's not the worst shout, but we've not. We've also not played whatever variation of four four two or four four two four or four two 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 or whatever all season. So I don't see really see that happening. No, this this is the thing I'm sort of just. Uh thinking about it probably a little bit too much but Chris I, I, I don't think this is a particular game for tactics if you know what I mean I think if we, if we decided to throw the kitchen sink at them we'd break down the door the proverbial door for example so could I don't yeah, don't get me wrong don't think he is going to do this but do you think there's any merit in the idea of trying to go a bit more gung-ho in this game uh, the way we're playing I'd, I'd, I'd keep things exactly the same and I think that's that's an eminently sensible way to go about it I, I, well I do agree with you to an extent that given the opposition and given the form that we're in, it maybe would suggest that, that that being the case. But I think whilst we've got this squad, I think pragmatic is the way forward. Um, again, just to hark back to my comment earlier on in the podcast, just about how our players get the job done. The the, the steady, if 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 you know, relatively unspectacular. Uh, and I don't see that being a change of a, a change of style now in the last few weeks of the season. There's no need to, quite frankly. It's working well enough as it is, but you never know. As the as next season progresses in League One, as we, as we march on towards the Championship, maybe Everett, with some investment and a natural change around in his squad, may end up bringing in that more expressive style that he played at, at Barrow when he's got the right players in which to do that. But I think while we while we are where we are in the league that we're in, I, I think slow and steady wins the race. Yeah, I think I think there's merit to that. I'll, I'll come to the pair of you for a score prediction. So, Chris, what, what do you think the score? Score is going to be uh, well, yeah. So, like I said, slow, slow and steady wins the race. I think uh, a continuation of where we were against Salford. So, eight uh, nil Wanderers. <laughs> <laughs> Conservative as ever. <laughs> Not to be confused with Tory, of course. Um, James, score, score <laughs> prediction for yourself. Mm, well, my head says uh, a one nil win because they'll play the low block, but 
that, but, but that's boring. We've been doing that too much, so screw it. 3-0. Fair enough. Uh, I'm going to go with 2-0. I think we'll probably uh, score early and then just, as Chris says, slow and steady and then probably nick one when they try and come out of their shell and nick a point towards the end. So I'm going to go with 2-0 there. Um, the last thing I want to talk about before we finish this, because I appreciate we're getting on a little bit for time, is that uh, Tramway seem to have fallen away a little bit now. And I hope, again, I don't jinx that and they suddenly come with a big run to, to pip us for any kind of position. Um, it does seem to be a shootout for that final... Um, sorry, for between... Sorry, I say a shootout for the top four places between Cheltenham, Cambridge, us and Morecambe. Morecambe are the big competition for us on form for that third spot. If, if that is the limit of our ambition, I presume you're, you guys are going to tell me that it's not. Um, given that we play them after the next two games, how important is it, James, that we win these next two so that that game doesn't have anywhere near as much pressure as it could do if we were to struggle? Uh, uh, well, it depends who more, who more can play in their next game because I don't want to really worry about that game until I see the result from theirs. But even then, even then, I'm not, I'm not that worried. I'm more worried about passing Cambridge and Cheltenham than I am about, you know, Morecambe closing the gap on us. So, yeah, let's just focus on the job against Grimsby before we start worrying about how Morecambe are doing. No worries. They've got um, Oldham at home and then Grimsby away is their, their two fixtures before they play us. So, imminently, infinitely winnable games. But then again, I would say that the two that we've got are infinitely winnable games as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Well, 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 now you've pointed out to me, Morecambe are playing one of the most erratic teams in the league in Oldham. So, God knows what we're going to get from that game. They'll probably beat yeah. Grimsby, but who knows? Who knows? Chris, any, any, are you looking down at all towards Morecambe or is it just the sky's the limit for you? Yeah, I think we just take care of our own business and the rest will look after itself. I think it would be fantastic to go into that Morecambe game with a, you know, with a, a comfortable, a comfortable lead. And I just think that the momentum takes care of itself. I think winning, winning is infectious, and this this team at the minute is has got that habit. And they they'll know they'll know exactly what the stakes are if if we can get even with it within a point of the top of top of the league, shall we say, at the end of Saturday, even at a, a, a best case. It's still a wonderful position to be in, considering where we were just a couple of months ago. So, no, I'm not looking down, looking up permanently. Yeah, we do well to be looking out, given the meteoric rise that we've seen over these last three months. It makes Absolutely. eminent sense. Um, just for a bit of housekeeping, the fixtures that we've got coming up, obviously Grimsby away on Saturday. Then we have Carlisle away on Tuesday 20th. Morecambe away, sorry, Carlisle at home. Morecambe away on Saturday 24th. Extra at home on the 1st of May and then Crawley away on the final day of the season. Um, relatively straightforward looking fixtures on paper, in my opinion. Exeter and the Morecambe ones, obviously the ones standing out. But with those fixtures in mind and where we currently are, I'm pretty sure I know which way this is going to go. But James, where are we going to finish? Oh, I really want to say first, but I don't th- I'm don't. i worried Cheltenham aren't going to drop enough points. Yeah, I'll say second to be safe, but I really hope we finish first. I think we will do. Chris, same question to you before we finish. Yeah, I think Art says first, Ed says first, probably, but then at the end of the day, ultimately, as long as we're we're one and one, two or three, it's been a season of unbelievable success, uh, given where we started and where we were just before Christmas. So I'll take anything three upwards, but. 
one's what I've got my eye on. Yeah, I mean, if you offered me third now, I would bite your hand off. Put it that way. I'm, I'm far too cautious compared to you two. Very <laughs> cavalier in your in your, in your Bolton Wanderers predictions. Um, but yeah, the whites are going up, boys. Let's let's leave it at that. Uh, thank you very much for your time this evening, Jed. It's been a very, very good discussion and I apologise for not making a more regular thing. We are, I know we say this every time, going to endeavour to try and get more podcasts out on a more regular basis. We know that you love them. We are the number one Bolton Wanderers podcast as, as, as voted by the fans on Twitter. Uh, unlucky Mark asked. This has been the Love Pod episode 161. Thank you very much for listening, everyone, and we'll see you later. <laughs>